0: It is time for our Big 12 breakdown this week. Tyler Jones, Thomas is here with you with a look around the Big 12 conference as the Big 12 begins their season this week. No games, week zero, but a full slate of games ahead with week number one. And, Tom, before we kind of break down the games here, I want to dive into, you know, the conference outlook. We have dissected this league inside and out for you know a while now and so with everything that's being said let's go ahead and give our pick for who wins the league and who wins offensive player of the year all starts I think at the end of the day as much talk as there's been about Baylor I still can't shy away from this Oklahoma team of what OU brings to the table uh, even with as much as they lost, they're still really talented. They still have a good quarterback and Dylan Gabriel coming in. I think that defense is going to be dr- drastically improved with Brent Venables. Um, it's not going to be pretty. They'll lose some games from time to time, but I still cannot pick against Oklahoma in the month of November in championship, November and in December. uh it's football time at Oklahoma. You know, I'm, I'm going with Oklahoma to win the league. Offensive player of the year. Uh, there's a lot of different directions you can go with that one as well. But I like Deuce Vaughn a lot, but I think I like Bijan Robinson a little bit more. I think that he is gonna be a guy that contends for the Heisman potentially. Don't know how many games Texas wins, but it doesn't matter. Bijan Robinson's still gonna have an incredible year. Uh, that award is not about wins and losses. It's about production. The production is going to be there. I think Bijan Robinson is uh, your Big 12 offense Player of the Year. So those are my picks. How about you, Tom? Who wins the league? Who wins offense Player of the Year?
1: Jones, you know, as much as I hate to say it, I do agree with you somewhat that I will not sleep on OU, um, even with all the changes. Here's what a lot of people are saying in terms of I believe in Baylor. Baylor lost a lot. And sure, you can say OSU lost a lot on defense. They lost their defensive coordinator. They lost two linebackers that have made 53 man rosters. Uh, Hell, they lost a a running back that made the 53 man roster for for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I mean, they lost a decent amount. And I think what people are kind of glossing over is the defense is going to be fine. I think Derek Mason coming from Auburn, was about the best that they could do in terms of replacing Jim Knowles. They will have a – to be honest, and I know I'm biased here, they'll have a historic defensive line. No one, It's going to be very hard to get the ball off against this OSU D-line. I'm going to say OSU is going to win the league. I think Dylan Gabriel is the offensive player of the year. I think he gets a little bit of a nod for being a newcomer. Um, granted, he's not a freshman or anything. I think he's the newcomer of the year. I think he's the offensive player of the year. I think OU beats Oklahoma State in Norman, and I think they face off, and I think Oklahoma State wins the league in Dallas come December.
0: Okay. Uh, so there you have it. Those are our picks there. Let's go ahead and run through the Big 12 slate of games this week. Uh, this week's slate uh, beginning on Thursday night. Central Michigan and Oklahoma State, pokes favored by 21 and a half here. Tom, uh this one should be uh I think Oklahoma State. I don't know how they start this one, but Mike Gundy going for win number 150. I would think that uh that they'll finish strong here. Don't know how they look out of the gates, but uh you know night game in Stillwater, they should be able to put a a good second half together. I think Oklahoma State's going to be just fine here and uh I'm not a big Spencer Sanders fan, but I do think that, that they'll establish that run game uh, and really rely on running the football.
1: You know, I think, they'll, I think they're going to try to run the football, and, and they have Dominic Richardson, who showed a lot of promise last year. I think he's going to do some things well. Um, Jones, I, I see it two ways. There are two ways I think this game can go. Mike Gundy, granted, everybody's gone every single player has gone from that 2016 team. There's not a player on that squad that has been around for that, that BS heartbreaking loss they had on the hook and ladder in 2016. I think it was the second game of the season for OSU in Stillwater. You know, if, if, if you're old enough, or you watch that much big 12, you can recall that central Michigan had an untimed down that should not have been, um, and still to this day, you, you you hear Central Michigan folks say it too. And Mike Gundy said it too. They Instead of putting 10 and 3 on the Alamo Bull rings, they put 11 and 2. Mike Gundy has the chip on his shoulder. He's the only one that's really been around. Granted, Casey Dunn, now the offensive coordinator, has been around since then. But And, and a few other of the other coaches, whether it be Rob Glass or some of the other positional coaches, they're not going to forget. I see this game going two ways. Either OSU hangs a decent amount on them in the first half, and you see by the end of the third quarter Gunnar Gundy playing and, and potentially throwing his first touchdown, or OSU starts out like they did last year. They start out slow. They start off rusty. Uh, they may not want to show a whole lot depending on what they want to do. We saw it with Casey Dunn last year in terms of play calling. I think they start out slower, Jones. I do um i think they still get maybe the job done but um until i see something different from what we saw last year i'm very inclined to say that that osu still could get the job done but they they haven't blown out a, a g5 team in a while it seems like so i'm i'm hesitant and that yeah. comes from yeah. Oklahoma state all right moving on west virginia and uh pits
0: uh we're We've talked about this game a little bit and uh, the intrigue there, the rivalry coming back, uh, West Virginia, uh, how excited they are to you know, be packing Hinesfield Field and, and everything with that. But this pit team has the highest expectations they've had in a long time, reigning ACC champions here. Uh, Tom, we're, we're in for a treat with this one. Uh, I, I could really see this going either way. This, this is going to be a really good bowl game.
1: Jones, we talked about it last week. Neil Brown, um, you know, if he's if he's ready to prove something, this is the time. First backyard bowl in ten years. You got JT Daniels in. Uh, he's got a little bit to prove too. This is the time for West Virginia. It is at Pitt. I expect more West Virginia fans than Pitt fans um this is this is an underrated game on the schedule
0: yeah it is this one's gonna be a lot of fun Friday night the Kansas Jayhawks taking on Tennessee Tech KU about a 31 and a half point favorite in this game I think I have to put money on KU just out of principle because I don't know when they're gonna be a 31 and a half point favorite uh ever again but Tennessee Tech very bad team at the FCS level Uh, Fun fact, my old radio station in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, I worked for KLWN. Their ownership group, Great Plains Media, uh, owns radio stations in Lawrence, Kansas, and Cookville, Tennessee. Same town as Tennessee Tech. So it's like the Great Plains Media Bowl. Uh, Everybody in the old company is uh, going back and forth. So that's a pretty cool in-house thing. With that said, uh, Lance Lightpole is doing an incredible job at Kansas. Um, I think they're going to take another step in the right direction this year. Devin Neal is going to be fantastic running the football. Jaden Daniels looks really good at the quarterback position. Uh, still have a ways to go defensively to step up there. But uh, Kansas, I think, is is going to surprise some people. I think that they're going to make some noise in the Big 12 and make things difficult. Uh, for a lot of teams this year. This is not the Kansas teams that we've seen the last several years. This team is headed in the right direction, and and uh, I think that they'll have a solid night. I think they'll take care of business and put on a show against uh, Tennessee Tech here, Tom.
1: Yeah, I think they should. You know, I, I think that this is a game that I wouldn't say sets the tone for the season, but I think for KU and Lance Leopold, they need to – to come out and take care of business. I know that's a cliche term, but um, this is a chance for them to, to start setting the tone for who they want to be.
0: Yes. Um, TCU taking on Colorado also on Friday night, nine o'clock kick out on the West coast between those two teams. Uh, Actually, rather they're in Boulder. Uh, TCU going to play three quarterbacks, Um, you know, whether it's Max Duggan or, uh, you know, whether it's Chandler Morris, that the thing I'll say this about TCU, it's, it's unlike other situations at quarterback competitions, Tom, where we talk about these quarterback competitions and you don't know which one's good or not. TCU, I'll say this much, even though I don't like playing multiple quarterbacks in a game, they have a good problem on them. Those guys competing for this job – are all good they're trying to figure out which one's better and which one deserves the job it's not they're going to throw one out there and somebody's going to struggle here I mean it's it's a good problem to have that they have on their hands I like Chandler Morris a little bit more but I think they're going to be fine either way whatever direction that they go what you can't afford is to get your offense out rhythm and to pit, cost you a game potentially like this one against Colorado because you were you know, so inconsistent in quarterback. That's where I worry with TCU. Not about the talent. The talent's there at the quarterback position. It's going with this shuffle of three quarterbacks here. That's what I worry about for the, the Horn Frogs.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week too, and I asked you, I said, Jones, you like to say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none further talked about and said, well, if you have three quarterbacks, you have negative one. Um, I like Duggan to start, but I, I like what you said about Chandler Morris. I think he's the best one out of the group or eventually will be. And um, I, I think that that's what they should be focused on. I, I, I think Colorado is an early test. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know how Sunny Dykes feels in terms of uh, maybe Focusing too much on internal things and not focusing enough on their opponent—that um, will be remain to be seen. We'll find out this weekend.
0: Yeah, we will. Uh, Iowa State taking on Semo, uh, uh, Southeast Missouri State out of Cape Girardeau. Uh, Brock Purdy gone, Charlie Colar gone, Reese Hall gone. A lot of offensive production to replace, but. Uh, with some of the weapons there, uh, you know, Deckers, Hutchinson, you know, among others here, uh, you know, Brock, I mean, they, they, got, they still have some good guys. I mean, I'll say this much, Tom, you know, all those players that they sent to the NFL this year, very talented team at Iowa State, the guys that were all behind them were much higher recruited than they were. Matt Campbell has taken a big step up like those guys. Maybe they didn't get the wins against Iowa or some of the big 12 games they wanted to, but they were cornerstones for building this program. I know it's not going to be easy to replace those guys, but the talent coming in, they're going to see a big step up over these next couple of years based on the foundation that was laid by those future NFL talents they've had over the last
1: couple of years. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. And, and, you know, you mentioned kind of building a program or kind of getting to a point where it's, it's more of a culture thing or, and maybe not a culture thing, but uh, a kind of like, well, we do this around here. And I think it might be getting to that point. And, and I think this is the, I think this is another building block season while not like maybe a big 12 season championship season. um, I, I do think that this could be, you know, like I said, a building block season to, to further that culture fit that they want to have.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, UTEP and OU. UTEP already lost last week at home to North Texas. It uh, wasn't very pretty either. Oklahoma, first game of the Brent Venables era. Um, there's no excuse for Oklahoma not to win this one big. Um, I don't care that it's Brent's first game or Dylan Gabriel's first game or anything like that. Uh Anything short of OU covering 30-and-a-half is a disappointment. Uh, there's no reason why Oklahoma shouldn't win this game convincingly. UTEP is just a bad football team uh, all the way around, Tom.
1: I mean, they are, and this is not the UTEP team they faced several years ago that almost upset them. Um, you, you said that they lost to North Texas, and, and you know, I, I Jones, if they don't, I want your opinion here. If they somehow don't cover 30, let's say if it's a 25 to 28 point ball game, if they don't, if they don't cover, are we already calling cost for concern? I wouldn't cause, I wouldn't call cost for for concern just yet. If they just barely not cover this game. Um, but uh,
0: if it's it's uh, 20 or less,
1: 20 or less, then
0: I think we start to raise our eyebrows a bit. Um, but the expectation is that they should win this one convincingly. I don't think that's asking too much. UTEP's not very good. Uh, Baylor taking on Albany. Um, Baylor, you want to talk about getting these guys experience. Here's a good scrimmage for you right now. And Blake Shapin, he's extremely accurate. I'm excited to see what he can put together here. Um, here, here we go for Baylor here. I, I'm this team, you want to gain experience? Here's your chance right
1: now. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, they I mean, they have the opportunity in front of them, and they really do. And, and uh, to me, it feels kind of like an OU thing. Like, well, you know, there are a lot of new guys there. You know, specifically, OU has a little bit more newer guys. But at the same time, if you want to keep building on what you had last year, uh, this is one of the games to – to do it you know this is one of the games to say well okay how good are we this is a maybe not the the first test maybe it's this is the first test of a couple of tests um but i think we're going to find out a, a lot of are we as good as last year i don't i don't know
0: right right um also in the uh, big 12 uh this week a couple more games to go through here K state taking on South Dakota that game at six o'clock Saturday night in Manhattan and the cats, uh, heavily favored. And I got to tell you, I really like Deuce Vaughn. Uh, you know, he has been, I think just such an incredible player and so versatile. Um, you got a new quarterback coming in, you know, football after Scott Thompson got a really good defense there. Um, K State, I-, I think that they can. Granted, in South Dakota, but I think you can still send a message to the rest of the league if uh, if they come out and put a thumping on here. If they're ready to go from day one, no slow starts, don't make it a close game. I mean, uh, go out there and send a message. I, I think would would uh, would would
1: would certainly grab some attention around the league. I think so, and you know. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is, you know, I I think he might feel not maybe he doesn't feel disrespect, I don't think, to to be John Robinson at Texas. But, uh, you know, being a a preseason All-American, I think he has some shoes to fill. And and if not, if he doesn't see competition within, you know, maybe another team in the conference, he should feel competition within himself for the K-State. I guess you could call them ancestors at this point. Um, he should feel the pressure from the former, you know, Darren Sproils. There have been a lot of comparisons made uh, to him. And and, and for Deuce Vaughn, same stature, same size, same speed. Um, you know, I, I, I think those comparisons are admirable. I think they're correct. I think they're spot on. And I, I think that Deuce Vaughn, um, you know, maybe a little undersized for the league. And I know running backs are smaller, um, but Darren Spoils was smaller. And, and I think this is a huge season, not only for his K-State team, but also for his future. And, and I, I think he will I, – I, I would expect big things out of him. I think he'll do it. I think he's going to have a great season.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Texas Tech taking on Murray State. Uh, Patrick Mahomes versus Job Morant. Uh, in this game, uh, Tom, do, do you know what Murray State's mascot is?
1: The racers, baby.
0: That is correct. Nice work. Um, yeah, That's
1: tickets.
0: the only reason I know that. Tickets are as low as $5 right now for this game if you want to make the trip to Lubbock.
1: Uh, I like the football program, though. How much are those tickets?
0: Good question. I don't know. Uh,
1: Compared to AUs.
0: KU's tickets were fifteen dollars.
1: So, right, so not too far off.
0: Yeah, uh, McGuire, his first game as head coach of Texas Tech, starting a new era there in uh, Lubbock. Uh, Tom, uh, you know this. This is This is like starting easy. This is getting your feet wet. Going up against a Missouri State team out of the Ohio Valley Conference. That's uh, definitely, as an FCS school, way more known for their basketball than anything else. Uh, I don't know how many people knew Murray State even played football. To be honest with you, uh,
1: you know, if I want to be honest with you, I didn't know. I didn't know so that game. I'll be, I'll be transparent. I'm not afraid of that. Um, I, I thought they'd, I figured they'd be like um, the Midwest is Wichita State, but you know, if if you want to talk about fictional lore, Wichita State produced head lasso so um, i won't ever count against a uh midwest team i didn't know how to football team right
0: <laughs>
1: so uh would uh
0: w- which alum would uh would you rather root on here
1: Mahomes or john oh that's a great question um you know Memphis and my San Antonio Spurs Have a little bit of a rivalry going back To the grit and grind grizzly Days Texas Tech Also likes to say Oklahoma State copies Them but Oklahoma State Routinely dog walks their ass Uh, So Just for Conference play um, and and Oklahoma State never playing Murray State um, I'm gonna I'm going for Murray State baby Let's go racers (laughs) You like they like they say in your uh, other side business, let's go racing. Let's go racing. Yes, uh, another podcast on the Studios of Box Network.
0: Let's go racing with David Starr. Uh Available now. Uh, Texas and uh, ULM on a Tom's favorite TV network, the Longhorn Network. God, um, <laughs> Texas heavy favorites against ULM. The Quinn Ewers debut. Tom um, Quinn Ewers here. Uh, I mean, the dude, he needs to throw for like four touchdowns and 300 plus yards. Like, uh, Quinn Ewers, after all this, the noise with Arch Manning and then the noise about, oh, you know, he, he, you know, barely won the job and all this, uh, Quinn Ewers just needs to put the haters away. Just come out with a bang right away.
1: Yeah, he really does. And, and Jones, if, if you remember this too, at first, I think they declared Arch Manning, the starter. And, well, no, Arch
0: Manning's not even there yet.
1: Or sorry, not Arch Manning. There was another quarterback. My, my, my apologies. He wasn't even the starter day one when they announced it.
0: Right. It and was they, a competition, but he did end up winning it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He got, they kind of switched it around and, and I'm not Jones. I'm not a believer yet. I, it, you know, some, some of the time you need to see some things before you start putting faith in anything. You need to see it. And Texas has given us nothing. They've given us absolutely nothing um, to put faith in. I mean, I mean, Jones, if you want to if you if you want to look at it from a, a transitive type of thing. you Well, guess who played in week zero and not necessarily hit the bed by any means, but lost the game former texas quarterback casey thompson and nebraska you know you know what what kind of, what type of faith am i supposed to put in uh, a, a team that even if your ex-quarterback leaves for you know even a even a job like nebraska which is you know historically good and then loses on on international turf to to a team like northwestern that i wouldn't say didn't have any business beating them but uh, they choked the game away. Um, and, and maybe that wasn't Casey Thompson's fault, but yeah, you know, I think it's more on Scott Frost with that onside kick. Yeah, but he, he you didn't know, it matters anyway. You know, once a Texan, always a Texan, and um uh, who knows, Nebraska, always Nebraska. Yeah, That's true. I mean, that's you know, they don't grow corn in Nebraska, and they don't, you know, maybe they do some things in Texas that they would do in Nebraska, but um, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't, I'm done, Jones. I'm done giving Texas the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to do it.
0: Got to earn it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, With that, uh, there's your look around the uh, Big 12 conference for week number one this week. Still more to come, plenty to get to ahead. Stay with us. Joining us now from ESPN Radio, our good friend Derek Haglin is back on the program once again. Joining us from beautiful Kansas City, Missouri, and Derek is here now. Derek, always a pleasure, my friend. What's
2: going on? Tyler, I always appreciate how you say Missouri instead of Missouri, because you know how much that pisses me off when people say that.
0: Okay, so here's a question for you. Along those okay. same fronts... Um, do you get more frustrated when people say Missouri or when people refer to Kansas city, Kansas
2: as Kansas city? Oh, ooh. um, I would say Missouri because most people know, most people don't realize there's two Kansas cities and all you have to do is come here to realize that Kansas city, Kansas sucks compared to Kansas city, Missouri. And so it just like, I had an uncle who he, he used to always say Missouri. And I would say, you realize there's no RAH in the, in the state's name. Right. I'm like, so I don't know why you're saying it this way. And I go, secondly, you're not from the boot Hill. So there's also no E in Missouri either though. I, I I know, but the, I sounds a whole lot better than, you know, Missouri. And I just like, it just, it's crazy. So like, obviously like, you know, Len Dawson passed away last week and it was so funny hearing some of the old broadcasters be like, and you know, the chiefs from Kansas city, Missouri. And it's like, for God's sake, it's Missouri. Like, you know, I feel like that, that, that clip from the, uh, from the Simpsons where, uh, Grandpa's like, I'll be deep and dead in the cold, hard ground before I recognize Missouri. That's that's how I feel.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, before we get to the business of the day, you mentioned Lynn Dawson. Uh, any uh, any memories, any personal uh, interactions you had with him over the years?
2: Yeah, so I had I had a lot of interactions with him when he was in the radio booth um, for the Chiefs, and when um, we would we, they they would have home games, so I would see him. But I, I would say my favorite memory, um, even though it's because of a sad thing, was um, you know you know the story of how my brother and I are both named after Chiefs players, and our dad loved the Chiefs, and our dad was a red coder for the Chiefs, and our dad used to take Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, a pound of red apples every Monday during the season from 1990 to 1993 through the 1990-1993 season. And, um, you know, our dad unexpectedly passed away in February of 94. And Carl Peterson and Marty Schottenheimer found out about it uh, through the Red Coder's Association. And they reached out to our mom at the time and had – discussions with her about honoring our dad before a game in 1994 and they did that and Len Dawson was one of the people who he gave us a tour of the stadium he gave us a tour of the broadcast suite you know my brother was 10 years old I I was four years old at the time and you know he took us into the locker room he introduced us to Joe Montana Marcus Allen Derek Thomas Neil Smith you know all those great chiefs from the nineties and he was just so gracious with his time and he had been told the story and, 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 you know, had been very sympathetic and empathetic towards us and just really wanted to make sure that um, my brother and I had a good time, even though the reasons we were there for, were for sad reasons. And, you know, I posted a photo of, of my brother and I with Len that, that day that they honored our dad and it, it, it's crazy because Len Dawson was our dad's favorite player. Um, our dad wore number 16 and played quarterback in high school. My brother and I wore number 16 after our dad passed away to honor our dad. And, you know, in a way, it, it's a connection to, to Len Dawson. That number is, and I have the number 16 tattooed on my arm um, because of just how much that number means to our family. And so, um, you know, to hear about him passing – is extremely sad but you 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 knew it was coming over the last few years with his health declining but you know the last um the 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 best memory is the one where you know he made my brother's day so special after after our dad had passed away
0: that's cool that's uh that's really cool derek uh Start of uh, college football uh, officially beginning uh, this weekend uh, after the debacle of uh, Nebraska last week. That was uh, pretty nice. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you're, Scott you're Frost be- has
2: a losing record in two different countries now.
0: Yes, yes, he does. Uh, only one man could accomplish that feat. Yes. Um, with that, uh, imagine uh, there in Kansas City, uh, you know, and, and on the other side of Kansas City. <laughs> Uh, probably more excitement uh, for Kansas football than there's been in a while.
2: Yeah, there, there is a lot of, of, of excitement because of the culture change and the structure and the discipline and everything that, you know, Lance Leipold and his, his coaching staff are bringing and have brought to KU since they got there. And, you know, I think one of the crazy things is, is that a lot of people forget. Yeah, last year was Lance Leipold's first year. He got to camp or he got to campus in May, he didn't get any spring ball. He, you know, the rules are different where you can't really do anything over the summer um, with them. So they spent the first 15 practices of the season as they're getting ready to go into their first game last year against South Dakota, installing their offense and figuring out what worked and what didn't work and who could play and who couldn't play. And so, you know, obviously they, they, they started out rough. They beat South Dakota, but they had some bad losses in there, too. But as the season went on, you could see them progressively getting better week by week. And then they upset Texas and then, you know, they play TCU and they lose a close game there. Then the next week they lose a close game against West Virginia. And I stand by the fact that had Devin Neal not gotten hurt last year against TCU, Kansas would have won that game in Fort Worth. Um, Devin Neal had like 90 something yards in the first half before he hurt his shoulder. And you could see them just progressively getting better. Um, You know, a lot of, of excitement is coming from the transfer portal. The KU is expected to be much improved on defense from what they have been the last couple of years in terms of athleticism, speed, there's a little bit of worry about the pass rush, uh, I would say, just from my my viewpoint. Um, but I think they're going to be a whole lot better at the linebacker spot, which was desperately needed, as well as the secondary, um, to have other guys back there other than just Kenny Logan.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. And Expectation-wise for Kansas, last year you get two wins, including that one win against Texas. But now, I mean, obviously you want to, take things up a notch and this is the best Kansas team we've seen in quite some time. But even then, Derek, I mean, I still look at everybody else and say what you want about this big 12. I mean, it's still tough. I mean, as much as I hate to say it, the other nine teams still look better on paper right now.
2: Um, I would say to a certain extent, yes. I mean, I think Oklahoma's got more talent. I think Texas has more talent. I think Baylor and Oklahoma State are better. And I think this is going to be Chris Kleiman's best season um, at K-State since he's gotten to Manhattan. But I do believe that Iowa State, Texas Tech, and TCU and West Virginia are all winnable games for Kansas. Um, You know, if they win all four and they win two out of two of their non-con games, they're in a bowl game. Um, will that happen? I don't know. I, I think they're still a year away from probably being bowl eligible, but, you know, with the way that Lance Leipold is known to have turned programs around, whether it was at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater or at Buffalo, you know, I, I, nothing would surprise me because we've seen how hard these guys play, um, no matter whether the, there's the talent discrepancy, um, but I do think for sure that Texas Tech, TCU, Uh, who are all breaking in new quarter or new coaching staffs. Um, I think those are games Kansas could win as well as I think, um, you know, West Virginia is as well, because I think Neil Brown might be going into his last season at at West Virginia, but the other teams, K-State, Oklahoma, Texas, Um, Oklahoma State, Baylor, those teams are all better. I expect KU to lose those games. Um, But I do think that uh, that in four of the other Big 12 games, they can be right in there and win them. And why not get Iowa State in a year where Brock Purdy's gone, Brees Hall is gone, Chase Allen is all – they're all gone to the NFL. You're going to really see what type of program Matt Campbell is building. And for KU, they're fortunate enough to get this game in Lawrence this year.
0: Yeah, that's an opportunity. Uh, it certainly is. And, you know, w- one thing I look at just this league as a whole, Derek, the quarterback position is going to be fascinating to see what the reemergence is. You know, last year when when Spencer Sanders wins Big 12 Player of the Year, that's <laughs> kind of a sign that quarterback play wasn't good. And now I'm looking, you know, Dylan Gabriel's coming in. Right. Uh, you know, JT Daniels coming in, Quinn Ewers. Um, yeah. Quarterback play should, I would think, is going to take a step up a bit uh, this year. I, I even like the kid at Baylor, uh, Blake Shapin, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about JT Daniels because we're talking about a guy who, in five years, is on his third school. Um, and granted, I know Georgia won the national championship last year behind that legendary defense, but JT Daniels, who was a high school all American and started as a freshman at USC couldn't beat out Stetson Bennett, who at one time was a walk-on, at the university of Georgia. Um, but yeah, you know, Quinn Muir is coming in from Ohio state, because I think he saw the writing on the wall that it was going to be a while before he was going to get to play at Ohio state because of how good CJ Stroud is. And, you know, we obviously see that CJ is going to be a potential top five pick next year in the NFL draft. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. I I you know, I actually kind of sneakily like Dylan Gabriel to be the be the Big Twelve Player of the Year because, you know, at UCF he was good and I think he was a good fit running that Gus Malzahn offense. It's just he got hurt at a bad time and they couldn't go back to him, and so you know, obviously Brent Venables is in there. I think you're gonna see. an improved Oklahoma defense on top of what they were last year. But, you know, he's a guy who can distribute the ball.
0: Right. Yeah. He is going to be a guy that uh, I think uh, is going to be fascinating to see uh, how he puts it all together here. And, you know, for me, the the one thing, the – that I'm intrigued about as far as the, the unknown, I think Dylan Gabriel is going to be fine. I think JT Daniels is going to be fine, but Quinn Ewers, it's for me, I I can see this going one of two ways, you know, sure. He's predicted to be this, you know, all that bag of chips quarterback, but don't you think there's a bit of increased pressure on him too, that he has to be, somewhat as good as advertised because if he's not arch Manning's right there too
2: yeah I mean arch Manning's gonna be there nipping on his heels but at the at the same time too I've never been a big I've never been a a big Steve Sarkeesian fan I've never been a big believer in him I, I thought when he got the job to texas i was just like really like that's the guy who they go after you know the alabama offensive coordinator and i know he was a head coach at usc in washington and he was a terrible offensive coordinator um in the nfl when he was with the falcons so i was i, I was intrigued and and mystified a little bit by that um and you know we obviously know texas expects that you know every year we hear texas is back and this that and the other and um, you know, until they sure up that defense and have some real legitimate quarterback play and weapons to go alongside <laughs> Bijan Robinson, I think Texas might struggle a little bit this year.
0: Yeah, uh they very well could. I mean, uh, I'm not ex- you know, one of these people that has them winning the conference by any means, but I think they slide in at best nine wins, uh, at worst you know, seven or six. I don't see them being as bad as they were last year, but I don't see them taking a a step to be a a conference title contender either. Nine is generous, Tyler. What, Tom? I said nine is generous. That is. That's what I mean.
2: At best, nine wins. (laughs) I just thought Thomas was watching, like, DeJounte Murray highlights right now. Hey, no, no, I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter about that. You should be because that was a
1: terrible fucking trade. I've been I've been watching I've been watching Tyree Kill highlights oh, and uh, God. Um, wishing that we still had him on Oklahoma State so we could oh, yeah. go against Central Michigan so we could run the hook and ladder the first play out of the gate this
2: weekend.
0: Jesus. We, we don't speak of Tyreek Hill. Uh... Yeah, I, I,
2: you know what? Here, here's the one thing I'll say about Tyreek Hill being in Miami. Everyone is now seeing, and Tyler, you know this for because you were around the team when you were in Kansas City. You're now seeing why the Chiefs, the Chiefs PR kept him away from everyone because now he's in Miami and they have no pro, they, they, they have no choice but to let him speak and do and say all the shit that he does because of the fact that that guy's making $30 million a year. You're seeing why the Chiefs limited his availability severely when he was here. Yes. Well, it
1: sounds like DeJounte Murray, then.
2: <laughs> you know, I don't, no, know about, Desjante, I don't know much about much about Murray, but DeJounte left
1: Pastor Pop for College Park. He was like a pastor's son. Pastor Pop and left for college, College Park.
2: That's hilarious. Okay. And, and, no, Andy Reid, Mormon.
1: Okay. <laughs> Let's, let's circle back to our, our Big
0: 12. Sorry, I,
1: I disrupted it, but I had to.
0: You, you had to take us off the rails, bringing up Tyreek Hill in the middle of Big 12. Great, the great job there, Tom. It really Thomas
1: Thomas the tangent. You're welcome. Yeah. I'll shut <laughs> up.
0: Back to what we were uh, discussing there, Derek. Uh, as, yeah. as far as, uh, you know, we, we were saying, you're, Tom jumped in said, you know, Texas, nine wins, generous. What, what do you think is realistic for UT?
2: I think eight and four, but I think Texas fans will be pissed if they don't win nine or ten, um, especially because they're going to think, you know, with going into year two with with Sarkeesian and everything. And I mean, Bijan Robinson's probably gonna, I mean, as a first team All-American, I think he's arguably the best back in the country. So we'll see what what happens with that. But until they learn to get some stops and hold on to some leads, I mean, there's no reason why last year. Especially with Oklahoma having to switch to Caleb Williams that they should have let the Sooners back in that game. So they got to learn how to close out games and they got to learn how to close out games in, in a better fashion than what they did because I mean they had Kansas on the ropes after Kansas was was running shed over them uh, in the first, you know, two and a half quarters they took the lead and then they allowed KU to get back in it and they ended up losing the game to Kansas. So they got to be able to close out games better than what they have. And I I just don't know if that's something that Sark is preaching this off season as they get ready to head into week one of the college football season.
0: Uh, The big 12 slate of games for this upcoming week, beginning Thursday night. Um, I'm thinking as a whole, the league should go about nine and one, but knowing this league and, you know, how, how they can be sometimes realistically watch that they'll, finally the way, screwed this up, and probably go. You know what, seven and three or six and four. You know this first week. I mean, I mean, everyone's yeah. favored except West Virginia this week against Pitt.
2: Yeah, and 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 that's the game that I think actually the Big Twelve does lose because I actually do think Pitt's going to win that game, especially with um, you know Keaton Slovis, the transfer quarterback from USC, who's now there, and um, you've got. It, it's an interesting storyline because you've got JT Daniels at West Virginia and Keaton Slovis at. Um, Pitt and Keaton Slovis replaced JT Daniels when JT Daniels got hurt when they were at USC. And so it's, it's, it's very funny to see that all circle and, and come around. But I just, I think right now as a program, even though um, the, the, the Panthers lost Addison um, and then they also lost Kenny Pickett to the NFL and, and other guys, I just think Pitt is a better program right now. So that's what I, that's what I mean when I say, you know, I think Neil Brown could, you know, five and seven, four and an eight, even with getting, you know, Mountaineer nation, that's right. Um, JT Daniels, um, you know, they could be looking for a new coach at the end of the year too.
0: Yeah, they could be,
2: um, there were, uh, you're at
0: besides just KU, but, uh, you know, K state getting a lot of attention and, kind of a, a dark horse pick to win the big 12 has gained some momentum. It seems like the last couple months, the yeah. very popular outsiders pick. And uh what do you think of this, Uh this K-State team here? What, what does the post-Skyler Thompson era look like in Manhattan?
2: Well, and first off, congratulations to Skyler Thompson for making the Miami Dolphins roster. Cause not only is he a K-State wildcat, he's a Kansas city kid. He's went to high school, literally five miles from my house. Um so, He's a good
0: kid. No, nothing yeah,
2: wrong good. about Skyler at all. Yeah, no, I, it's awesome for Skyler. I covered Skyler when he was at Fort O'Sage when he was in high school. So um, that's awesome. The more, you know, Kansas city kids that keep making the NFL, the, the the cooler it is. Um, You know, I I think, like I said earlier, this is going to be Chris Kleiman's best team that he's had since he got to Manhattan. Um, And that 2019 team was pretty good. Um, You know, they've got Deuce Vaughn who's a preseason all American um, they've got Adrian Martinez who's transferred in from, uh, Nebraska and the memes last week and the Twitter was hilarious. You know, uh, when Nebraska lost, let's figure, let's hear Nebraska fans figure out a way to try to blame this loss on Martinez, um, considering he's not even in Lincoln anymore. Um, but uh, you know, they, they've got a potential all-American candidate and Felix, you Felix, E.K. Uzama. Um, who can get after the quarterback. I think this is probably going to be the best defense that they have had since, uh, coach Kleiman has been, um, has been at K state. I think they're obviously definitely going to be able to score some points. It's, you know, are they going to be able to compete with the top two teams, in my opinion, in Oklahoma state and Baylor? And if they are, I think K-State could be looking – I think they should easily be – not easily. I think they should be definitely looking at a 9-win season. But, you know, if things go their way, they could win 10 games and find themselves in a major bowl and find themselves playing in the Big 12 championship game. Nothing would surprise me in terms of being better than what they're expected to be from K-State this year. Because I think they're going to be really good.
0: K-State – I think Tom and I talked about this last week. They feel like they're the polar opposite of Texas. They're always the team that's underestimated every year and always overachieves compared to Texas. Right. Always overrated and underachieves. And right. you know, here they are. They're both picked around fourth or fifth. And if I had to put my money on, who's more than likely to finish higher, my money's going to be on K-State over Texas.
2: I, 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 I would pick K-State to be third in the conference. That was my preseason prediction. And so the fact that, um, you know, they were they're not even in the top four or five to me is just kind of a slight. And the fact that they didn't really get any preseason top 25 votes, which is crazy because, you know, this team does return quite a bit. And, you know, I think we're I think we're seeing a lot of us were skeptical, skeptical of when they hired Chris Kleiman from North Dakota State. But I think we're seeing why gene taylor knew that was the right hire mm-hmm. is it is it not a culture thing to me it's a culture thing texas
1: wishes they had the culture that k-state does and it's it's not because of chris climbing it's just the culture has been set and it it's probably will be for a while you could give bill snyder a well, hundred years dead and this culture would still somewhat be the same
0: yes and no i mean look yeah at- when Ron Prince took over yeah. the culture went out the building, you know, I mean, it wasn't in three
2: years, Ron Prince almost basically ran that program into the ground.
1: So I guess, okay. So give climbing a little bit of credit for continuing somewhat of the culture that Bill Snyder brought in. And right. And to also along that same point too, was climbing still did things his own
0: way of, you know, Sean Snyder didn't stay around much longer and you know, bringing in, you know scotty hazelton initially that right here who's now one of the best d coordinators in all college football at michigan state well on his way to being a head coach it was uh, a, michigan it was
2: state his, defense wasn't that great last year but you know uh,
0: i mean but he's well on his, his I, I get what he's you're had saying, a nice balance of doing things his way and still keeping the culture at k-state i, I, no, no, I think
2: that's to, fair to thomas's point of culture it's what I would categorize it as is enthusiasm and respectability because Kleiman has an enthusiasm and you can see it, you know, every day by how and what he does and how his guys want to play for him. And I know a couple of kids from locally, whether it be Landry Weber or anybody else like that, who have played for, for, for coach Kleiman at, at K state, but, the respectability's there, too, because he had won so much at North Dakota State. Like, right. yeah, again, that was FCS. But at the end of the day, that guy had national championship rings to bang on the table to show, hey, I somewhat know what I'm doing.
1: Right. Me? He does. He does. And, and you know, I think keeping, you know, when you, you talk about him kind of axing out Bill Snyder's son, uh, I, I don't think that was a slide on Bill Snyder. I don't think it was a slide on his son either. I think it's kind of more so like um, okay, well, if you break up, and this may be a bad analogy, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you know, you break up with an ex, and you know, you don't. Sometimes, maybe you and the friend, or maybe you and your ex's best friend, were still cool, but you don't necessarily keep your ex's best friend around to tell you about dating advice going further. Yeah, um, I mean, so I- Climan kept the culture. He kept the culture, but he 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 still wanted to have his part in it to do his own way. And, and to be honest with you, granted through everything, a lot of quarterback struggles in terms of injury and just really not yeah. knowing who he's, uh, to be honest, I think he's done a, a, a good job, somewhat of a bang up job, but in, in K state terms in K state terms of doing well, uh, K state's very lucky after you guys mentioned Prince K state's very lucky that they're not uh, a little bit better than, than Kansas. Yeah. I mean, I I would say too, you know, the, the Sean Snyder thing,
0: um, Sean Snyder, Derek, you and I have said this for a long time is a, I mean, is a bad coach and, you know, to to move on from him and to figure that out. I mean, compared to, uh, you know, Bill who wanted Sean and and it's his son. So you give him the benefit of the doubt, wanted his son to be the next head coach. I mean, how much you want to, you know, step back a bit. How much different would this program be right now? if Sean Snyder's head coach, not Chris Lyon.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it would definitely, it, it would be interesting, but you know, that gets to the point of nepotism and, you know, Bill and Sean both thought that it would be given to him. And, yeah. you know, we've heard the story where Gene Taylor has said, you know, Hey, I understand you want to retire. And, you know, we want you to ride off into the sunset, but you know, in no uncertain terms, like no way that that's happening, that Sean Snyder's taken over when there are more qualified candidates who have head coaching experience. And this job is good enough to where people would be interested. So we're not just going to hand it over to your son. And I don't think K-State would be anywhere near what they would be, because I don't think that Sean Snyder knows how to build a program the way that Chris Kleiman does. You know, it wasn't Chris Kleiman who who built North Dakota State fully into what they were. I, I forget who the coach was who was there before him who ended up going to Wyoming. Um, but Kleiman was on that staff, so he Very saw cool. it. Yep, there we go. And Kleiman was on that staff and knew what he was doing. I just don't know that I would have seen that or you would have seen that from K-State fans. And it... it it's good that Sean Snyder's not there because we all know that Bill Snyder in Manhattan, Kansas is God and he walks on water and everybody thinks that he is the greatest thing that has ever stepped foot on a college football sideline. Um, I think he's phenomenal. I think what he did was unbelievable and amazing. I don't think he's the greatest coach ever. Um, I think you need to have national championships and have a resume that looks somewhat like that to be able to be in that conversation. Um, But you know, I think there would be I, – I think Bill's legacy would be a little bit tainted if Sean had taken over and not been successful.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, no one else has called Sean since. No one else has offered no. him a head coaching no. job. And I just have every reason to believe that would not have worked in Manhattan. I, I don't think it would have
2: either. I think you're right.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, before we go here, what's uh, – What's your pick? Who ultimately is going to win this league and who wins uh, player of the year here?
2: Oh, um, so I'm going to go – I'll go player of the year. I'm going to go Deuce Vaughn from K-State. Okay. Um, I, I, think, I think he could have a, a Darren Sproles-type junior season where Sproles was an All-American. He was a finalist for the Doke Walker Award. I think Sproles rushed for almost near 2,000 yards that year. Um, I definitely remember Sproles' junior year when he, uh, when he went off in the Big 12 championship game, and it seems like single-handedly beat uh, number one ranked and undefeated Oklahoma. Um, uh, so I'm going to go Deuce Vaughn, and uh, I'm going to pick Baylor to repeat as uh, conference champion. I, I think Dave Aranda is, is building something special down there um, in Waco.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, They got a good thing going there in Waco, for sure. He's uh, Derek Haglund of uh, ESPN Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at DT underscore Haglund, covering not only college football, but also the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Derek, appreciate the time as always. We'll uh, talk in soon.
2: Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for having me.